Our family went camping recently, and the kids were told to pack up their belongings. As we were getting everything put into the car, we noticed it was getting filled with toys, electronics, and gadgets. There ended up not being any room for sleeping bags, pillows, and their clothes. You know, the essentials. You know, the same can happen when we fill our lives with activities, even ministries for the church, that we end up without room for that which is most essential, God's Spirit. So if we make no room for Him, we can't be filled so that I can experience the power and the presence of God's Spirit. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. It is possible to be a regular churchgoer who is involved and does everything a good Christian is supposed to, yet be missing the most important ingredient. This week, Charles Tapp identifies this missing link that is often overlooked in many faith journeys. As he begins a brand new series of messages titled, Going Deeper, Reaching Wider, experiencing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. With his message, The Missing Link. Today, we are beginning a four-part series on the Holy Spirit that I've simply titled, Going Deeper, Reaching Wider. And one of the questions that inevitably arises when there is a discussion on the Holy Spirit is this debate as to whether the Holy Spirit is a separate being, a a separate person, as is the Father and the Son who are part of the Godhead, or is the Holy Spirit simply a power, a force, or an essence? And the reason for this line of thinking or reasoning is because when you look at the word spirit, in both the Old and New Testament, it gives the idea of wind. It gives the the connotation of breath. For instance, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says, and God kneeled down and formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the ruach, the breath of life, the spirit, and man became a living soul. Even the Apostle Paul, in his writings, talks about the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. But Paul brings out some interesting facts here. He doesn't talk about the Holy Spirit as as being a force or, or being a wind. Paul refers to the Holy Spirit as possessing characteristics of a person, such as in Romans 8, 27, Paul says, The Spirit of God, or the Holy Spirit, has a mind. In Romans 15, 30, he says that the Spirit of God is able to love. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 to 11, he says that the Holy Spirit possesses knowledge. And in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, Paul says that the Holy Spirit can be grieved, that the Holy Spirit can be made to feel sorrowful. And why is that? Just look at his name, Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit's primary function in our lives is to make us more like God. 
And when you and I step away from God's word, step away from God's will, it grieves the Holy Spirit because his purpose, his foremost purpose in our lives is to make us holy. Holiness is not about being sinless. Holiness is about being separated so that we can be used for God. But when you look at the context in the Gospel of John, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit not so much as a breath or a force or a wind, but he describes the Holy Spirit in terms that are only used for a person. Turn with me to John chapter 14, verses 16 to verse 17. Look at what Jesus says here in relationship to the Holy Spirit. He says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you for how long, everybody? Forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. But another reason the Holy Spirit many times is categorized as a force and not a person is because much of what scripture has to say about the Holy Spirit is usually in relationship to the work that the Holy Spirit performs in your life and in my life. And over the next few weeks, this is going to be our focus as it relates to this topic of the Holy Spirit, because it would take us an entire year to give an exhaustive presentation on the Holy Spirit and the various aspects of the Holy Spirit. But over the next few weeks, our focus is going to be that of the work that the Holy Spirit desires to do in the world and to do in our lives. And I want to begin by, by giving you a working definition for what it really means for the work of the Holy Spirit to be performed in our lives. And I want us to take a look at this. And I want us to read this because from today over the next several weeks, this is going to be our working definition for the work of the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says. Better yet, let's read it together. Let's begin. The work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church and especially in the church. Since Jesus' ascension into heaven, the primary manifestation of the presence of the Godhead has been and will continue to be until Jesus returns is the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit. And just as Jesus, when he walked the earth, was referred to as Emmanuel, God with us, now the Holy Spirit has that responsibility. The Holy Spirit is God with us and will continue to be God with us until Jesus returns. And I know for some of us that may be a difficult concept to, 
to, to grapple and to deal with today, especially when it comes to understanding how can the Spirit of God be with us. And, and here's the thing. When Jesus was here physically in his human form, he was limited and having access to him was limited as well. But because the Holy Spirit God can be with us, he is not in a human body, we have access to the presence and the power of God 24-7. The limits that were placed upon God in Jesus in human form are no longer there. You and I have access to God 24-7. And listen, I don't have to go through another person to get access to God. I don't have to go to any leader, to any administrator, to any church leader. I have 24-7 access to the very presence and the power of God. Recently, I, I read a devotional thought on the topic of the Holy Spirit, and I was intrigued by the title, and the title said, For Our Good. And the author described this particular aspect of the Holy Spirit being with us 24-7. And this is what he said, and I thought it was interesting. He said, the Spirit, listen, the Spirit inside you is better than the Jesus beside you. I'm going to say that again. He said, the Spirit inside you is better than the Jesus beside you. And I know the point that he's making. And the point is simply this, that because the Holy Spirit is not confined by human form, you and I have access to him 24-7, where with Jesus, if he was with one person, he couldn't be with another person. And intellectually, I get that. But if you want me to be honest, and I agree with it, that's biblical, I agree with that. But if you want me to be honest, and I have to be honest, there are times I would rather have the Jesus beside me than the Spirit in me. Man, it just got quiet. Pastor, have you, have you strayed from the faith? Think about it. I want you to be honest. There are times in my life I want a physical manifestation of God to be with me. I know the Spirit is with me. Am I the only one? How many of you, especially going through some very difficult and trying times in your life, it's one thing to hear, God is with you, but can you imagine if Jesus came and sat beside you? Amen? When I was a young child, I would pray to God to send me an angel, and I would want him to sit on my bed and just talk to me. And, and I know he would call me by my middle name, Antoine. I know that. That's what my family called me. That's what my parents called me. And as I thought about that this week, I haven't been called Antoine for a long time because both of my parents are deceased. Now, when you see me, don't walk around saying, hey, Antoine, that's not going to work, okay? But the point I'm making is this. Yes, I would like to have a physical manifestation 
of God to be with me. But if I had that, then what would that do for you? You would go without. But because the Holy Spirit does not have the limits of a body, you and I have 24 access to the presence and the power unlimited of God in our lives. And even though the presence of the Holy Spirit did not manifest himself to the degree that it did in the New Testament, this reality inspired the Old Testament psalmist David to pen some very awe-inspiring words. Look at it in, in Psalm, the 139th division, as we look at verses 7 to 10. Look at this. He says, as he asks the question, where can I go from your what? Spirit. Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, David says what? You were there. If I make my bed where? In hell, what? You were there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even, even there, your hand shall lead me and your what? Your right hand shall uphold me. What is David saying? There's nowhere I can go and you won't be there. David says, if I go to the depths of hell, anybody been to hell? Some of you feel like you've gone to hell, haven't you? David says, even if I go to the depths of hell, God's spirit, again, the manifestation of his presence is always there with me. And here's the question I have for God's people today. Where are you? Not where are you physically, but where are you right now? What are you dealing with right now? And truth be told, all of us, all of us are dealing with something. Amen? You're either going into something or you're coming out of something. And if you're coming out of something, beware, you're about to go into something else. David is saying that there's no place you and I will go where the Holy Spirit is with us. Even Jesus, in giving the Holy Spirit one of his names, calls him the comforter, or in the Greek, the parakletos. And I love the meaning of that word because it means one who walks alongside of you. So regardless of where you are in your condition today, regardless of where I am, some of you may be feeling as though you are in the depths of despair. Please understand today that the very presence of God is with you right now. Who says amen to that today? For that gives me comfort. That gives me hope. But one of the most important roles of the Holy Spirit as God is that of this creative, sustaining presence in our world today. And this began at the very creation of the world. Genesis 1 verse 2 reminds us that the earth was void and it was full of darkness. And the Holy Spirit hovered over, the Bible says, the face of the deep. And I looked at that word hovered 
And I discovered that it's only used one other time in Scripture, and that's in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 11, where it describes a mother bird beating her wings over her little ones, encouraging them to fly. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Missing Link. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. I'm going to take a moment and just recommend that you breathe. Now, there are all kinds of breathing techniques that you can use. One is count to 10, you know, breathing in, count to 10, breathing out, kind of hold it in the middle, you know, breathing in His grace and breathing out His praise. Whatever you choose, breath is really important. And this time of year, you know, you may have a cold or you may have the flu and it's restricting your breathing. So you know just how important that is. God has given you that breath. In Acts, Paul wrote this, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else and so take a moment and take a deep breath and stay encouraged to get more encouraging content go to wgts919.com this is simple truths for life and it's possible to do everything a good christian should do yet be missing the most important ingredient. Charles Tapp identifies what this is as he concludes his message, The Missing Link. I want us to go back to Luke chapter 11 as we look at verses 9 to verse 13. Look at what it says. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will do what? Find, knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone, not some, but everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be what? It will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, Will he offer him, what, a scorpion? Look at verse 13. If you then being evil, that word evil does not mean sinister. It means imperfect. If you then being an imperfect parent, and I just want to see the hands here. How many of you are imperfect parents? Raise your hands. Now, if your hand is not raised, it is because you are not a parent or you're not being truthful. Amen? But I'm raising both hands. Newsflash. There are no perfect parents, only praying parents. And parents, you're not going to get off scot-free. If there are no perfect parents, then why do we expect perfect children? I'm just asking the question. If you then being evil, being imperfect parents, know how to give good gifts to your children, all the children are going, amen, pastor, amen. 
How much more? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I'm sure that this for many is probably one of your favorite verses, favorite passages of scripture. For it appears on the surface that Jesus is somehow giving his followers a carte blanche when it comes to our request and that God will give us whatever we want, somehow hide the idea of this moralistic, therapeutic, deistic idea that God is here only to meet our needs in our way, in our time. But as I say to you each week, a text without a context is a pretext. So let's look at the context. The gift that Jesus desires for you and me to have above everything else as his children is not some material gift that Jesus talked about earlier that, that rust or moth can destroy or thieves can break in and steal, but the greatest gift, one that this world, one that our church today is in desperate need of, Jesus says here, is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And to express his willingness to grant this request, Jesus compares it or contrasts it against the willingness of an imperfect parent to do what is good, to do what is best for his or her child. He says, if your son asks for bread, would you try to deceive him and give him a stone? You wouldn't do that. Parents, you wouldn't promise your child a new car if, if they got straight A's within a semester. And at the end of the semester, the child brings the report card and said, look, dad, look, mom, I got straight A's. What about that car? And then you turn to the parent, the parent turns to the child and go, you know, we were just kidding. We were just playing. Or if he asked for a fish, would you give him a serpent or a scorpion, something that can harm him? And the point that Jesus is making here, if you and I are imperfect parents, sinful by nature, if we know how, if we desire to give what is beneficial for our children, and I love how Jesus phrased this, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? This phrase that Jesus uses here, how much more, if you look at it in the Gospels, he used it six times. And if you look at the writings of Paul, Paul also used this same expression, how much more, six times. Some biblical historians believe that this phrase was a common phrase and it was used to, to provide emphasis when you're trying to make a point. So Jesus' point is this, if you're imperfect and you know how to do what's best for your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is perfect, give to those who ask of him? And not just asking for anything, but asking for the Holy Spirit. And if you read this in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew 7, he just says, give good things. Luke makes it clear that the greatest thing that you and I need are not material things, but we need more than anything else in this world today 
in our personal lives and in the life of the church, we need the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And he says he will give it to everyone who asks. And that word ask at the end of verse 13, if you read the literal translation, it says ask and continue to ask. In other words, don't just ask one time and stop, but let it be a continual need that you have in your life. And when I read that, I said to myself, why then if God gives me his spirit when I accept Christ at the beginning of my journey, why then do I need to continue to ask for the spirit if the spirit of God is already living in me? Here's what I discovered. In verse 13, if you read it from the original Greek language, there is no definite article in front of Holy Spirit. It doesn't say, and he will give you the Holy Spirit. It simply says, and he will give you Holy Spirit. So if you see the word the, the article there before Holy Spirit, that was placed there later, but originally it was not there. And if there is no definite article there, it's not talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, but it's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I need to continue to ask, not for his presence, we have that. You and I need to continue to ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we are sinful by nature. I love how the Apostle Paul deals with this same issue in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Look at how Paul articulates this. He says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of God is. Stay with me. And do not be drunk with what? Wine. And in those days, because the wine was a little different, you had to drink a whole lot of it to get drunk, in which is dissipation, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. What is Paul talking about? I thought the, the Holy Spirit was not a force or an energy. I thought the Holy Spirit was a person. How can I be filled with a person? Paul says the same way you feel with this wine. Stay with me. Paul is not saying that you and I need more of the Holy Spirit. What he is saying is that we should be completely yielded to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's not more of God's Spirit that is needed. It is less of me that is needed to feel so that the Holy Spirit can fill me. So if we make no room for him, we can't be filled. So I don't need to pray, give me more spirit. I need to pray, God, humble me to get rid of self so that I can experience not the Panuma spirit, the Holy Spirit, but so that I can experience Holy Spirit, the power and the presence of God's spirit. But if I've got my life filled with other things, there is no room for that spirit to take hold. 
So the missing link, the thing that is absent that needs to be present in order to pull all of this together, the missing link, the thing that you and I need that is missing in our lives now to pull our walk with God together the way it should be is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Less of me and more of him. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Missing Link. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. What I love about this promise of God's Spirit is that it is not reserved for some. It is reserved for all. God's kingdom is a kingdom for everyone, regardless of your background or status. Next week, Charles Tapp shares part two in this series, going deeper, reaching wider, with his message, The Power of All. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life. or someone you know is running low on hope, you're invited to a very special event. WGTS 91.9's Night of Hope with special guest, Matt Marr. If you're still alive and breathing, praise the Lord. WGTS 91.9's Night of Hope, Saturday, October 1st, 7 p.m. in Olney, Maryland. Johnny Stone from the Afternoon Show with Johnny and Stacy will share his personal journey to faith. The night won't cost you a thing, but space is limited. RSVP at WGTS919.com.